Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is the Max Freeze episode, at Freeze Stats on Twitter. Uh, Max was kind enough to leave a rating and review. He's a listener of the podcast and also a great follow. He chose Hunter Renfro, Jose Martinez, and Mike Miner as the three players we're going to cover. Very excited uh, to do that. Three interesting guys. In my reach, Charles, I also give a shout out to the automated standard game points spreadsheet uh, from Tanner Bell at Smart Fantasy BB on Twitter. Uh, I purchased it. Um, it's awesome. I will go into detail on why uh, I did both and feel or why I purchased it and why uh, I think it's uh, it's great and it's going to save folks a, a ton of time um, in Excel, learning it, put inputting formulas, all of that stuff. So really cool there. We have some exciting players we're going to be covering in upcoming podcasts as well. Taylor Ward, Manuel Margot, Ryan Zimmerman on the next one, followed by Archie Bradley, Ian Happ, and Shane Bieber. Uh, from this point forward, I'm going to let folks who leave a five-star rating and a review select one player. Um, instead of uh, selecting a full show, uh, I want to provide people with the opportunity to um, give input and help you know, choose the players that we go into. At the same time, we are getting closer and closer to draft season. I'd like to be able to do some positional previews, cover some guys that I like going at their current ADPs, pitchers, hitters, uh, and just kind of dive in. Maybe not as deep, um, at least on the podcast, but uh, cover a lot more players as we get closer to draft time. So hope that makes sense. Hope that's understandable. But please do continue to leave those five-star ratings and reviews, and you can choose uh, one player for us to get in-depth on. Uh, Also, just wanted to give you a heads up. uh, Last week, this week, I was on the Fantasy World Order podcast with Pat D., It ended up being a two-part first base preview, uh, one last week, one this week. We covered the top 30 uh, first basemen according to uh, ADP as well as some guys who are going a little later. So check that out. It's available on Anchor um, or if you uh, follow Pat at Patrick uh, FWO on Twitter. Uh, He also tweeted that out. I tweeted it out. Check it out. Uh, Let us know what you think. Um, thank you so much to folks uh, who have left ratings and reviews. As always, if you do like what you're hearing, please do go to iTunes or your pro- uh, preferred podcast platform. Uh, do that. Let me know, um, and you can pick that player uh, for us to go in-depth on. You can follow me on Twitter, at BatFlipCrazy. That's definitely the best place to reach me. Instagram, at BatFlipCrazy. Facebook, at BatFlipCrazyFantasy. On YouTube, just search for BatFlipCrazy. Uh, If you are interested in learning more about, for instance, the rolling average graphs that I cover, uh, both hitters and pitchers, I've done a a couple videos on that that I shared recently. Um, Some other things, if you have ideas for things that you'd like me to put up there too, I'm also happy to create new videos there. Uh, The blog is batflipcrazy, uh, or not blog, it's a website, batflipcrazy.com, which I uh, put a little bit of time into uh, renovating that recently, so let me know what you think there. Hunter Renfro, Jose Martinez, Mike Miner. Let's get this party started. First up on today's podcast, we are going to take a look at Hunter Renfro, outfielder for the San Diego Padres. Renfro has been moving up 
draft boards pretty steadily uh, this offseason after a really nice second half last year. 225 average draft position in the two early mock drafts. He's up to 179 uh, in NFBC drafts over the last month. Um, so looking at 16 NFBC drafts that have taken place over the last month, just to get more of a clearer picture in terms of where uh, ADP is at this moment in time, 179, a minimum pick of 136, uh, max pick of 213. So definitely moving up draft boards pretty quickly. Uh, 441 plate appearances last year, 479 uh, the year before that. Has never played a full season up and down uh, from the uh, to the minors and and the big and the big club uh, as a result of some struggles with contact and and uh, and and just overall struggles for Renfro. But uh, at the end of last year was really kind of uh, his peak. Uh, he was one of the leaders in barrels, which we'll get to in a second, especially in the second half. Let's dig into the batting average. 248 last year with a 249 expected average. That's actually his second consecutive year that he's provided a 249 uh, expected average. One of the reasons um, his average increased by 17 points last year, his K percentage dropped um, from 29.2 to 24.7. He also saw an increase in contact, 2% overall, 3.2% in zone to 79%. We'll see in his rolling average graphs that that got into the low 80%. And so that's really nice in terms of keeping the strikeout percentage low, um, but still below league average. So that K percentage, I don't see any improvement uh, coming there. I don't think you're getting uh, or drafting Renfro for average necessarily, but you're likely to get uh, below league average when it comes to that. OBP, 302 last year, 302 expected OBP. Definitely not a guy who's helped out at all. Uh, in OBP leagues, his his play discipline has improved um, recently, at least from a year-to-year basis, um, down about one and a half points to 32.9%. Still 2% worse than league average, uh, but not terrible. Um, you know, he was in the mid-30s last year, 6.8% walk, walk rate, about two points below league average. So again, OBP, he's not going to be much of a contributor there. Uh, taking a look, look at his runs, 53 runs scored uh, last year, 12% uh, runs per plate appearance. Um, he batted in the middle of the lineup uh, for the most part for uh, the Padres last year. Uh, so not a bad place to accrue runs. Roster Resource has him batting fifth uh, in this upcoming season. I think he spent the mo- most of the end of last season batting cleanup, which could have helped him out. The 12% uh, runs per plate appearance, that's slightly below league average of 13.1%. Again, not very surprising. Um, batting you know, towards the end of the middle of the lineup, also you know, not a particularly quick runner, and his OBP is below league average. So uh, nothing surprising really in that number. Would expect something similar to continue next year. Uh, for power, 26 home runs last year, 22 expected home runs. Yeah, this was the second consecutive year he hit 26. He had 24.6 expected home runs last year. Expected home runs per plate appearance right around 5% for both years, uh, 5.4 and 5.9% overall uh, home run per plate appearance. So the expected number is slightly below what he's been able to produce so far, but still very solid around 5%. Huge gains in hard hit rate, up about 13% 
year over year, 47.2%, which is a really strong number. Uh, for Renfro, his ground ball rate is also low, 37.5%, about 6% below league average. Uh, the last two years, 17 17.7 expected home run per fly ball rate. 18.7 and 20.3 overall home run per fly ball rate. So definitely an elevated home run per fly ball. Uh, not necessarily surprising given you know some of the quality of contact metrics. Uh, 37 barrels last year for 8.4% after 6.9% and 11.1% in a very small sample uh, in 2016. So the guy can make elite contact. He's hitting few ground balls, the hard hit rates there. Uh, elevated expected home run per fly ball and home run per fly ball. So, you know, all of the metrics really indicating what is not a surprise. He is a power hitter. The power is there, um, especially when you, uh, you're looking at a 30 home run hitter. I think when you, uh, if he's, if he gets to 600 plate appearances next year, Looking at the RBI total, 15.4%, 68 RBI last year in those 441 plate appearances. Um, that's a solid number. Again, batted cleanup uh, for most of the end of, toward the most of the end of the year. The Padres lineup, not surprisingly, is not the best uh, in the world. You know, right now it has him batting fifth with Kinsler, Urias, uh, Luis Urias. Uh, Eric Hosmer and Will Myers batting in front of him. So no guys who are really kind of plus plus OBP at this point in their career. So, you know, the 15.4% is pretty high. I might expect that to go down a little bit. The home runs obviously help. So it's not way out of whack for where he's hitting um, in the lineup. Uh, 338 WOBA, 334 expected WOBA. So, you know, solid above, above league average numbers there, but not... Uh, awesome given the the strikeouts and and walks um stolen bases not much five in the last uh, three seasons uh five actually in the last two seasons so look for him to steal a couple bases right around league average in terms of his sprint speed not uh you know steal attempts to steal about two percent of the opportunities uh, that he has so nothing to write home about uh, where it becomes, you know, where Renfro has become a more interesting pick, and I think the reason why you see him surging up draft boards is largely a result of, you know, the end of his uh, season. Uh, his contact uh, steadily increasing over the last 40 games. It was up at 81.8%, which is really nice to see. You know, a guy who makes the quality of contact that Renfro does, um, the more contact he's able to make, obviously the better uh, it is in terms of volume, a hard hit rate up at 50% over his last 40 games as well. A uh, little bit of a slip in his O swing um, throughout the most of the year. It was down in the low 30s, got up into the mid 30s uh, towards the end of the season. But obviously all the other skills were really nice. Ground ball rate, 34.8%, well below league average. You want to see that low ground ball rate with a guy uh, like Renfro's power. He's only 26, so you know he's entering... Uh, his prime. Uh, hopefully, you know, he will get, um, he'll be able to be a little bit more consistent with that contact rate up um, and, you know, get, uh, increase the volume of, of quality contact that he is providing. When we take a look at his detailed batted ball profile for X stats, you know, one of the areas where he made big strides is in uh, making better contact. He still struggles with pop ups, which isn't surprising with a guy um, who hits. 
a decent number of fly balls, 22.7 this year, 20 over 22% for the second consecutive year. Remember, 18% is league average with pop-ups. But his hard drive rate at 14.1%, a three-year high, 10.8% is league average, 13.4 and 13.3 the two years before that. So made some gains there. The biggest improvement is in his dribbler percentage, which dipped uh, over 5%, nearly 6% to 19.1%, well below league average. That is really nice to see. His value hit percentage was pretty steady, around 12 but his poor hit percentage, according to XStats, went down 2% to 27%. So still better than league average because of that high pop-up rate um, and a decent fly ball rate. But um, overall, some nice movement there. A little surprisingly, his expected BABIP went down 287 after 307 last year. Uh, that could also be because um, of the uh, home run total that he did have. But uh, a little surprising there, but... You know, again, the batting average is not what you're necessarily drafting Renfro for. You're looking for uh, home run and RBI um, from him. Uh, let's take a look at the guys going uh, before and after him. Uh, 179 is the ADP. Uh, the five batters going ahead of him, uh, Jose Martinez, Harrison Bader, teammate Eric Hosmer, Billy Hamilton, and Austin Meadows. Five, uh, five guys going behind him, Cesar Hernandez, Jesse Winker, Yuli Gurriel, Kyle Schwarber, and Ramon Laureano. Or actually By- Byron Buxton. I don't want to skip over Byron Buxton right there. Um, so overall, you know, Hemfro- Renfro's a guy uh, I'm somewhat interested in. You know, last year, kind of mid-season, I noticed some of the improvements in, at that point in time, O-swing and contact and hard hit rate. Um, for Renfro, and he was able to sustain part of that. I think the challenge with Renfro is you're not expecting a solid batting average. You're not necessarily expecting a solid run total given you know the OBP limitations and where he's batting in the lineup, especially if he's batting fourth, uh, fifth, as opposed to cleanup. And so um, you're really looking at you know home run and RBI uh, for Renfro. He's not providing speed for you. And I think that that profile, again, is available later on. Renfro obviously has some pretty spectacular power, I think. I mean, he's a guy who I think ceiling is around 40 home runs. So there's that, and not everybody has that. But again, it's, you know, it's a profile that's better here than it is higher up. But let's take a look at some of the guys. We're going to cover Jose Martinez soon, but... There's a guy who can continue, who can contribute RBI similar to Renfro if he gets the opportunities, obviously. But he's also providing really elite batting average, which is something that's pretty scarce, especially this late in the draft. So if Jose Martinez does get traded um, and becomes a DH, then very nice. Bader obviously has you know the power speed combo, which is going to provide some value, uh, probably a higher ceiling uh, than Renfro, although his own limitations. Hosmer, I would probably take Renfro over Hosmer just because you are getting some elite production in terms of home runs, and I just I don't see anything coming from Hosmer there. But then Billy Hamilton, you know, obviously has been a top producer before because of the stolen bases, moving to Kansas City where he's going to get the green light. And then Austin Meadows, a guy I like a lot who could potentially be a five or four category contributor in Tampa Bay if he gets enough um, enough run. So, you know, again, you know, there's nobody that I'm really putting Renfro ahead of in that group except for maybe Hosmer. Um, 
behind him even guys like Cesar Hernandez very underrated stolen bases OBP runs he's a definite contributor Jesse Winker guy I've loved uh, Byron Buxton you know the potential upside there Schwarber a pretty good comp for Renfro I think I'd go Renfro over Schwarber um, just because I think Renfro is going to get uh, at bats and I think the power um, and RBI potential is similar uh, Loriano is a guy who could contribute in four categories too. Uh, Franmil Reyes, a teammate uh, of uh, Renfro's, who has some pretty solid power too. I mean, even behind him, Paul DeYoung is a guy who's probably going to have a better batting average uh, than Renfro or around similar power, but from the shortstop position, uh, RBI, better lineup, batting number two. So, uh, you know, Renfro is a guy who I think made some really nice strides last year. He could also take it up another notch and, you know, continue to increase that contact rate. Uh, but again, you know, he's hitting a lot of fly balls, so that's going to suppress the batting average. The power's there. It's nice. The RBI are there. But again, the profile is a dime a dozen. And so, you know, Renfro, as he moves up board, draft boards, I'm probably less likely to get him. If you were talking, you know, 220 or so where he was going, uh, when the two early mock drafts were taking place, I'd be much more inclined to take him. But here, I'm just not. Uh, I'm just not that interested. So that's been Hunter Renfro, a young, improving outfielder uh, for the San Diego Padres. Next up, we have Jose Martinez, first baseman and outfielder, dual eligibility, which is a nice little bonus in today's fantasy game. Uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals, a 172 early mock draft ADP. He's fallen down to 176 uh, in the last month in 16 NFBC drafts, a minimum pick of 150, a max pick uh, of 190. One of the reasons why Martinez is falling down draft boards a little bit, I think, is playing time. The longer he is without a starting job uh, with the Cardinals, um, and not a DH and with an American League team, to be quite frank. Um, you know, I think that, that ADP is going to continue to fall back. Uh, obviously, Martinez is a guy I liked a lot heading into uh, last year based on, you know, about the half season that he gave us in 2017. He didn't necessarily disappoint since you were drafting him around ADP of 230. You know, the end of the season was not as nice as the beginning of the season. He slowed down a little bit and the skills definitely wore down a bit, which raises a little bit of you know, some concern um, for me. Let's hop in though, 590 plate appearances. Again, you know, he does not have a starting job right now uh, in St. Louis. You know, he's up against, you know, with Goldie being the first baseman and Martinez being a very bad outfielder. You know, uh, the most likely path for me, you know, you have Harrison Bader in center. Uh, you have uh, uh, Marcelo Zuna in left. And then you have Dexter Fowler, um, in right field, uh, I think Fowler is probably the, the most likely to give way in terms of playing time. But again, he's got a monster contract. I think they're going to give him uh, another opportunity. And he is a uh, an excellent defender at, compared to Martinez, who uh, is just uh, an utter disaster. Uh, 305 batting average, 319 expected average. That's after 309 last year and 348 expected average. Martinez hits the ball really hard. Um, he makes a lot of contact. Uh, his K percentage this year was at 17.6, so down 2%. Uh, contact overall, very steady, around 80%, well above league average 
also in zone contact well above league average. So he um, batting average is definitely the area where Martinez is going to provide fantasy owners with the most value, assuming he can get the volume, maybe he becomes a DH or is able to earn that right field or other outfielder uh, spot. Again, the Goldie, the Goldie thing is a bummer uh, for him. I, I would not, I am very hopeful that he will get traded because I don't think he does a ton for the Cardinals um, just sitting there uh, on on the bench when I do think he'd be able to return a decent uh, amount in a trade. 364 OBP, very solid there. 376 uh, expected OBP. He's got a, a very consistent, at least over the last two years, uh, chase rate, 26.5%, about very steady. Uh, swings at about 3% fewer than league average pitches. Only an 8.3% uh, walk rate, which is a little surprising given the uh, nice um, plate discipline and the fact that he doesn't swing that often. Uh, that's after 10.4% last year. That seems a little bit more in line with where he should be. And so I think you can expect, um, if he does get playing time, I think that OBP is going to be really, really solid. 64 runs scored on 10.8% runs per plate appearance. That's a little low given the excellent OBP and, and the fact that Martinez was batting second and third in the Cardinals lineup last year. I would anticipate, again, if he, depending on where he ends up, depending on where he bats in the lineup, uh, just based on the OBP, that number should be better. 17 home runs on 19 expected home runs. Martinez makes really solid contact in the air when he does, but he definitely hits way too many ground balls. 46.2% last year after 42.1% um, in 2017. His hard hit rate was up about 3 points to 40.5%. Uh, home run per fly ball rate, 14.2 after 20.9 uh, last year. As I said, when he hits the ball in the air, he hits it hard. 46.7% hard hit fly ball rate this year almost 10% better than league average after 50.7% last year. Doesn't pull a bunch of them, but he's got enough power to, to hit it out uh, to center uh, and the opposite field. 41 uh, barrels per plate appearance, or 41 barrels per plate appearance. Wow, that would be impressive. Uh, 41 barrels, 6.9% barrels per plate appearance. So not elite, but much better than league average. That's after 7.5% last year. So makes really qual uh, solid quality of contact. 14.1% RBIs, 83 uh, last year. Again, if he's with the Cardinals and he gets plate appearances, that RBI total is going to be nice in that lineup. If he's traded to a team like the Rays, again, should be really nice because he is a middle order, uh, middle of the order bat, um, if not like an ideal number uh, two hitter. Um, so um, uh, solid there in terms of the RBI production. Uh, 377 expected weighted on base average after 356. So again, underperformed there. Speed not really in the cards. Two stolen bases or four stolen bases the last two years. He got about a foot slower per second though this year. He battled some injuries um, throughout the year, uh, which may, uh, as we get into the rolling average graphs, you may that may be a reason why you see a little bit of a decline in some of the skill skills, just the wear and tear of his first major full major league season. Uh, the batted ball profile is really nice. The detailed one at X stats, very low pop-up rate, 11% for the second consecutive years, 7% below league average on pop-ups. Again, those pop-ups are 
you know, the worst type of batted ball because they only fall for hits 1% of the time. His hard drive rate did dip, but to 14.5%, well above league average. It was at 16.7% in 2017. His dribbler percentage was below league average at 23.9%, but up a little bit from the year before. Overall, 11.2% value hit, so 2% better than league average, and then 21.2% poor hit, which is 4% better than league average. That's why he has a 364 expected Babbitt, 396 last year. Obviously, that's not sustainable, but the 364 and the elevated Babbitt overall based on you know, the batted ball profile that you're seeing is not a surprise. And for that reason, he's going to be a very solid um, contributor in terms of batting average if he gets those plate appearances. And I think because of the OBP, he should be able to help out in runs, RBI, and then the power. I mean, if he can get that ground ball rate low and hit more fly balls, he really does hit the ball hard in the air. And that will, um, you know, he's got, he's got the potential to just really contribute in four categories. Uh, I think if he's able to get um, playing time. And if that, if that ADP continues to drop, that's going to make him uh, pretty enticing. I mentioned the decrease in skills. One area is the contact. It was down at 85.5%, so right around league average um, over the full, uh, over in his last 40 games. Um, it was above, uh, it was at not in the low 90s for much of the first half of the season. So you can see the drop off there, finished at 88% overall. Again, it's his first full major league season, so maybe it's just wear and tear, maybe it's injuries, who knows, but just something to note. At the same time that the contact went down, his uh, ground ball rate also uh, went back up around 50% for much of the second half, uh, finished off the season around 46%. His O swing also suffered. So again, you know, uh, really wearing down. Um, the skills really eroded towards the second half of the season. And so that raises a little bit of, of a concern for me, whether or not, again, it was injury or just that full first full season, we don't know. The good news is that his hard hit rate did finish at a very nice 43% over his last 40 games. So it wasn't all uh, negative. Um, really hoping that uh, Jose Martinez ends up as a DH somewhere because he could be a very uh, valuable player. Um, so Martinez is going around that same bucket of folks that Renfro went at. I think he's a really nice um, you know, contributor in terms of batting average towards the end of the draft. The problem is the playing time. And you'll hear a, hear a lot of folks say, you know, draft skills over, um, uh, over playing time. You know, the skills are going to get the play. And I don't necessarily disagree with that with Martinez. But the, 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 the erosion of skills towards the end of the year takes a little bit of the, of the shine off of him um, for me. And he really is, I think, pretty blocked in that lineup. He's not going to be playing first base at all with Goldie there unless Goldie's injured. So you're relying on a Goldie injury. And even in the outfield, if, um, if Fowler does get moved, do they just promote Tyler O'Neill, who, you know, struggled a lot with contact last year but has a, a pretty interesting power-speed combination and in the minors didn't struggle too much with, with strikeouts, had a decent batting average, you know, will they promote him and put him out there as a much better outfielder uh, than Jose Martinez? You know, that, those are the major questions, and that's why I think Martinez will end up getting traded. His value won't be higher. He's 30 years old. He's an, you know, he's an old, older guy. He made his major league debut um, when he was older. So 
you know, Martinez is a guy that I'm liking in this position because I think if he is traded to an American League team and he gets every day at bats as a DH, I think he has a, the potential to contribute uh, solidly in four categories and provide elite batting average, uh, which you just can't get at this point in the draft, really. And so Jose Martinez is a guy that I continue to like. He may be worth the risk of picking him up, uh, of drafting him now if you need to make that decision and um, expecting a trade down the road and then just hoping that something works out in terms of playing time for him. Uh, you know, if he stays in St. Louis, uh, you know, you're not paying a premium for him necessarily. Uh, but, you know, there are other team needs that are going to arise, um, you know, uh, that you're going to need, especially in deeper leagues. You know, you've got a guy like Tyler Glass now, you know, who's a really interesting pitcher, starting pitcher going for next year. You have guys like Elvis Andrews, you know, who are around this position, who are going around pick, you know, 40, 50 last year. Brandon Nimmo uh, in, a, in a similar range. Um, you know, says Cesar Hernandez, Jesse Winker, guys that do have clearer paths to playing time who also have interesting profiles. So it's really a matter of the risk you're willing to take. Hopefully, as we get closer to drafts, Martinez will be a guy who finds a home in an American League team as a DH, and I think he'll be incredibly valuable um, if he does. Uh, find his way there, but his ADP will also go up pretty quickly too. Next up, we have Mike Miner, starting pitcher for uh, the Texas Rangers. And the two early mock drafts, he went at a 263 ADP. He's down at 297 uh, over the last month in NFBC drafts. 219 minimum, 354 maximum. Miner is a guy who did well towards the end of last year. He's a guy that I'm interested in uh, heading into ne- next year because of some developments towards uh, that back end of 2018, his first season as a starter uh, since the previous year when he was uh, a lights-out reliever. Uh, 28 games started last year. Uh, he won 12 games, uh, K-minus rock rate at 14.7%. K rate, uh, less than league average at 22.3%. His swinging strike rate was at 10% as well. 132 strikeouts in 157 innings, good for 7.57 strikeouts per nine. Uh, Where he's interesting for me, the swinging strike rate at 10% is below league average, um, but it, it, it went up slightly towards the end of the year. But folks in the zone actually had a hard time with minor 85%. Z contact, which is better than league average at 85.5%. And you'll hear me say it, but a lot of the best pitchers uh, are able to get folks out in the zone. And so I think that's a really good sign, especially with a guy who's going around a 300 ADP. His walk rate last year was pretty lucky, 5.9%. 8.5% is league average, but you'll note below league average in first pitch strike rate, 58%. O swing, 27.2%. Zone percentage was right around league average at 43.6%. So, you know, in those three key categories in terms of your walk rate, um, he was either at or below league average. And so I don't expect that that walk rate will hold up right there. He'll have to improve, uh, you know, one, two, or all three of those in order to really earn that better than league average walk rate right there. So that's something that's important to note. He also got lucky in terms of his BABIP, 259 last year. X-Stats pegs him at a 285 expected BABIP. Now, he is a 
uh, high fly ball pitcher. 34.4% ground ball rate. He's giving up tons of fly balls, which can be very dangerous, but also suppresses the BABIP. So that's something that's important to note. That um, you know low walk percentage and BABIP resulted in a 1.12 WHIP, which again, you know, I'm not sure he earned. Uh, he really earned that last year. So I think there's a lot of luck there. 19.9% soft hit rate, 37.9%. Hard hit rate, so slightly worse than league average on the hard hit rate, slightly better than league average. On the soft hit rate, 312 WOBA, 319 expected WOBA, with a 315 being league average. So he was slightly worse than league average last year, despite getting a little uh, lucky. 418 ERA, the ERA estimators have him all a little above that, 443, 453, 427. For the Sierra, left on base percentage right around league average at 72.5. He gave up 25 home runs, although 23 expected, so a little unlucky there. Right around league average for his home run per fly ball rate, but the expected home run per fly ball was at 11.2%. But because he gives up so many fly balls, home runs per nine at 1.43, 1.32 expected. You know, that is definitely an issue. And what is definitely an issue is 50 barrels. 7.8% barrels per plate appearance for a pitcher. This was one of, for for pitchers that gave up 150 uh, batted ball events, this was like fifth worst out of all of them. So that is not good for minor and an area that he's going to need to improve. So in listening to that, you might be like, oh, his K rate's not that good. His walk rate was lucky last year. His BABIP was lucky last year. He gives up a ton of home runs. Why on earth would I be interested uh, in Mike Minor. Well, let's take a look at that uh, batted ball profile, um, the detailed batted ball profile. 24.9% pop-ups. So 7% better than league average in terms of generating automatic outs, those 1% uh, hit batted balls. That is great, and that's similar to last year at 23.5%. So that's one of the benefits of giving up so many fly balls is if you're able to give up, make a lot of those pop-ups, that can be uh, beneficial. Uh, hard drive rate was super problematic at 14.7%. Um, so again, we like covered Hunter Renfro and Jose Martinez. He's essentially giving up hard drives at that rate. Uh, but last year was only 7.7%. I'm not going to last year a lot because he was in relief, and so you can't really compare apples to oranges in that sense. Um, 14.7%, 18.4% dribblers, not surprisingly well below league average because he gives up a lot of contact um, in the air. Now, some of the things that I love, one of the things that I love about uh, minor is number one, his ADP at around 300. Um, and the fact that um, he actually has the second best spin rate on his fat on his four seam fastball of any pitcher. Justin Verlander is number one. Mike Miner is number two. And as last season progressed, his velocity increased. So it started out the season around 92.5 and it ended the season around 94 miles per hour, which is close to what he was throwing uh, when he was in the bullpen. And that I think is really important because he's throwing the ball really hard. He's got that really nice spin rate on his fastball. What I noticed is if you look at where he was locating um, that fastball, it was too much in the center of the zone. He wasn't really working um, up in the zone with that four-seam fastball. And based on my understanding, if you have a four-seam fastball with um, a really high spin rate, you want to throw that up in the zone. 
Um, that's guys like Verlander, Garrett Cole. Guys on the Astros have, have made some just huge strides in throwing and elevating the four seam fat, the high spin four seam fastball in the zone. And so that's, I think, something that minor, just it's, a, it's, it's not a minor <laughs> uh, tweak that he, he has to make, um, but it's a tweak that he could make. You know, so he's got this kind of innate skill. Um, I don't know whether innate is the right word, but, you know, he's got this skill that not many other people in baseball have. And so that's also really, really interesting um, for minor. When we take a look at his, role, his, at his repertoire, too, he's got some really nice um, pieces. Uh, his changeup um, is pretty close to a, a knockout pitch, 17.5% swinging strike rate. 34.6% O swing, um, and he's also able to throw it in the zone around 45% of the time. And he started throwing it a lot more, about a quarter of his pitches, um, over his last 10 games, which is really, really nice. Now, um, uh, you know, one thing about the changeup, too, that I loved is as the velocity increased on his four seam fastball, so as it got up there, the swinging strike rate on his changeup also went way up. 22 percent um, on 100 pitches in July, 19.8 percent on 86 pitches in August, 19.3 percent on 83 pitches in September. So about a 20 percent swinging strike rate for those last three months of the season on that changeup, which is excellent. Again, he's throwing that a quarter of the time. Um, now his four seam fastball um, during that same period of time, uh, the whiff percentage on it. Um, also, you know, there was a month, uh, where it, um, spiked at 11% on 164 pitches, um, in August, which is when he was over 94 miles per hour with that fastball at 8%, um, uh, in the two months around that, but that's potentially encouraging his slider whiff rate also went up, um, the last month of the season to 14.3%. Um, that slider has been you know, worse than league average in terms of the swinging strike rate overall, 9.4% for the full season. So there are some pieces here that are kind of interesting. That changeup is a really, really nice pitch and improved throughout the season. The four-seam fastball velocity went up. Um, so did the swinging strike rate on that pitch. That makes it also a little bit interesting, as did um, the slider. So there are interesting uh, pieces um, for sure there um, with uh, our buddy Minor. And then when we look at his last 10 games, um, the most intriguing to me is that his in-zone contact rate was all the way down to 81.8%, which is where you know a lot of the elite pitchers are at. His swinging strike rate was better than, his, uh, uh, better than it was over the course of the season at 10.4%, so close um, to league average again. Um, his uh, O-swing um, was creeping up slightly, uh, to about 28%. Um, his, he was in the zone a lot more too, um, around 52, uh, 52.6% um, in the zone. And then his first pitch strike rate was creeping up around 60% uh, as well over those last 10 games. So some, some nice movement in those skills. And again, the velocity was going up uh, during that time as well, as was the usage of his changeup, uh, which is his best pitch. And so I think when you look at Mike Miner, the draft price is very, very low. Um, it's around an ADP of, of 300. 
Um, you know, the guys going around him in terms of starters, Sonny Gray, who's actually kind of interesting, Derek Rodriguez, uh, Tuki Toussaint, Mike Soroka, uh, Carlos Rodon behind him, Colin McHugh, Dylan Bundy, uh, Luke Weaver, Michael Fulmer. So, you know, not, not terrible names, but I think Minor is really interesting at this point in the draft. I just think that there are, um, you know, if you're looking for a back-end starter um, to fill out your team who has some potential for upside, I think Minor is a guy who could be that. I really like the high spin rate on the four-seam fastball if he can change where he throws that pitch in the zone. Again, elevate that pitch. Um, building the changeup off of that pitch um, and maybe even the, the curveball, which is something that um, uh, Minor throws uh, as well. Um, that could be uh, another scenario um, where that works really well off the high, um, uh, the high four-seam fastball. And he started throwing that curve uh, a little bit more as he faded the slider. Uh, so that is also uh, an interesting um, development there for him. Um, so uh, I think there's that. I think the knockout pitch is really, really uh, nice, right? Having that type of changeup that can get you the strikeout. Um, that you can go to, and he's getting more comfortable going to it more often. Uh, that is something uh, that I like uh, a lot more, a lot uh, about minor two. Um, so going around 380p, um, you know, I like uh, that for minor. You know, a guy like Sonny Gray could rebound, but Derek Rodriguez, for instance, I would take minor over Rodriguez for sure. Even guys like Tuki Toussaint and uh, Mike Soroka. Carlos Rodon, I would take Mike Miner over those guys. I really don't like Carlos Rodon. Um, yeah, just I don't see anything of value there. Even Soroka, he could be really good in terms of ratios, but he's never been a high K guy um, throughout the minors and really relies on a sinker. Um, and we know how that generally works out. Um, you know, going behind him, there are some interesting names. Bundy obviously has some really strong skills, but a terrible, terrible fastball. Miner is also guilty of that. Uh, Luke Weaver, obviously, I think he's a guy who's going to move up a little bit um, as he goes to Arizona. Um, they've done some nice things with pitchers there, but I probably would go with Miner anyways just because he has a better arsenal. Weaver doesn't have that third pitch um, that he can go to. Um, you know, Fulmer has gotten knocked around a little bit as well. Uh, so Miner is a guy that I like a lot going here. Um, he's one of my kind of late ADP guys that I think I'm going to be uh, taking a look at. The batted ball quality is definitely an issue for Miner, um, but I think there are ways that he can combat that. And so hopefully the Rangers, um, you know, uh, take a look at some of the tools that he has at his disposal. They continue to increase that changeup rate, maybe work the four seam back a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, he could be a guy that, uh, that surprises some folks. Um, there's also been some trade chatter around him, including to uh, teams like the Phillies. I think that would be really great given their kind of analytical bent. So Mike Miner is a guy I like. You know, you're not paying. Uh, you know, it's all upside, I think, at, uh, at 380p. He had an okay season last year. I think he can improve on it given some of the tools he has at his disposal. Today's Reach Charles, the... Something in fantasy baseball or the baseball world that is eh, that I'm excited about and are enthusiastic about is um, 
a product that uh, Tanner Bell at Smart Fantasy BB uh, at uh, on Twitter uh, just put out, and it is an automated standing point standing gains point uh, spreadsheet. It's an essentially an Excel spreadsheet that um, has all of the formulas already in Excel. Um, for you to be able to calculate standing gain points for players based on different projection systems. He makes it super easy. There's great instructions for bringing in your favorite uh, projection system into the Excel spreadsheet to get standing gain points. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar with standing gain points, um, there's a really good description of it in uh, the process and in some other uh, baseball books, Winning Fantasy Baseball, Uh, by Larry Schechter, also has a good description of it. But essentially, it's the idea that that statistics are valuable only because they move you up the standings in fantasy baseball. And so it essentially looks at uh, the worst team in in the league, you know, what it takes to be in a 15-team league, 15th in stolen bases, um, and then what it takes to be first, and it calculates exactly how many stolen bases is different between each position uh, within the standings. Um, and with each position, each position you move up is a standing gain point. And so it essentially tries to take all of the statistics that a player provides and uh, give it a value of standing gain points. So essentially how many points a player above the replacement level helps you move up the standings. And then it gives a, 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 a monetary value to each standing gain point um, and uh, thus a value for auctions or just for, for valuing players and their contributions. Uh, I probably didn't do a very good job explaining it, but um, you know, there's some instructions in there and a more detailed explanation on uh, smartfantasybaseball.com, uh, which is Tanner Bell's uh, website. This is um, something I'm really excited about because I've always wanted to do standing game points, but I'm not super great at Excel, and I just haven't invested uh, as much time because I feel like it's not necessarily the thing that I may be best at or be able to contribute the most to. And so the fact that it's an automated spreadsheet um, that lets you uh, not only import projections, but also update those projections with your own uh, ideas and get the standing game points. Um, it allows you to control a number of different factors, the number of uh, teams in the league, you know, the average stats for the different categories if you're playing in a home league. Um, it's pre-populated with NFBC da- data if you play NFBC. It's just a really, really uh, awesome tool in a number of different ways. Um, you know, it has those variables that you can change according to your league. It also ranks the players in terms of hitters then in pitchers, then combined. It also will create a a cheat sheet for you that ranks the players by position uh, based on their value uh, valuation um, for standing game points. So it's just really, really um, awesome. And even if you're not necessarily going to use standing game points, it's just helpful to have a sense of where different players' values are or how different profiles might be valued um, using standing game points. And standing game points is used by a lot of the best players. So, um, you know, when you, when you think about a lot of the folks that you're looking to for your research, um, you know, a lot of folks are using standing gain points. And so, or at least a, a version of that. There are many different ways that you can kind of um, uh, slice and dice them. Um, but, 
you know, the general concept is something that's used by a lot of the best players. And so the fact that there's this automatic mated spreadsheet, uh, it costs $17.98, I believe, or $17.99. Um, I bought it. I think it's a worthwhile investment. Um, Tanner Bell is the co-author of The Process with Jeff Zimmerman. Um, he's got a great website. He provides a lot of information. I think it's just awesome when people kind of put a lot into creating tools that are going to help people. And I have no problem uh, paying some money um, to somebody who's willing to do that and save me countless hours of Excel sp- uh, formulas and, you know, making mistakes and, you know, all of these things. And so I'm really looking forward to playing around with the tool more. I definitely recommend that folks check it out. Uh, you can you can take a look at it, learn more. Uh, just follow Tanner Bell. He's definitely a worthwhile uh, follow on Twitter at SmartFantasyBB. Uh, his name is Tanner Bell. He's also got his website, SmartFantasyBaseball.com. Uh, check out both of them. Check out the automated spreadsheet. Highly recommend it. Um, really, really interesting. I can't wait to just kind of go through the projections um, and update them according to, you know, kind of how I feel players are going to do using Steamer as a base and see how that adjusts the valuation, um, see where there might be some surprising guys who stand out there um, and where there might be some guys who, who don't stand out um, using that methodology. So really excited to use the tool. Very thankful to Tanner Bell at Smart, Smart Fantasy BB. Uh, for providing that. Really happy uh, with my purchase. You should definitely consider doing that too. This is not a paid advertisement. I'm just putting this out there because I, I appreciate you know uh, the hard work that went into that. I appreciate this tool. And if it's something that you're interested in, check it out, figure out whether you want to buy it or not. But that's something uh, that I'm really excited about. That's my reach Charles for today. Uh, Tanner Bell, Bell's uh, automated uh, standard game point spreadsheet. That is going to wrap us up for episode 51 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast. Thank you, as always, uh, for listening. Uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, shooting up drafts. Interesting guy based on last year's second half, but still a profile that I'm just not that interested in. Jose Martinez, a guy who really needs a change of scenery to an AL uh, team, a DH to maximize his value. Uh, I still like a lot of what I'm seeing from him, although... The slight dip in form towards the end of last season does worry me a bit. Hopefully that trend does end up happening. And then Mike Miner, a guy who did probably better than he should have last year, but there are some really encouraging signs from the increase in velocity, uh, that awesome pitch changeup that he has, um, that knockout pitch, um, and then uh, that that um, you know elite spin rate on that four-seam fastball. So hopefully he can learn how to leverage all of those tools into better performance in 2019. Also covered that Reach Charles, that automated SGP spreadsheet from Tanner Bell at Smart Fantasy BB. Definitely check that out. Super excited to be getting closer and closer to the season. I mention that every podcast, but it's exciting. Like there's just so much more activity happening on Twitter, so many more conversations, so much more engagement. Uh, I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of fantasy baseball is the community uh, that is here um, on Twitter and and just around. It's just a, it's just a great group of people. So that's really exciting. Um, thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.